My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Well, good morning, everybody. You guys are eerily quiet this morning, so we'll have to fix that shortly. Well, welcome to our Sunday school. We're in Mark chapter 6 today. If you've got your Bibles, head over to Mark chapter 6. I got a new Bible right before we started this series. And it's weird if you look at it while it's closed, because there's, a, there's like six pages that are really, really wrinkled in the New Testament, and everything else is like spartanly clean. Uh, so... I don't know if you've experienced this yet with a physical Bible, but uh, I'm about to wear the pages out of this Mark in uh, Mark. So there we go. All right. So uh, we start each Sunday school with asking this question, what is God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far? And just to review, this is not a what have I learned? This is not about facts. This is about what is God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far. Those are Two different things. So, this is a question of uh, change. Yes, ma'am. Miss Amy. Yeah. Praise the Lord, right? How different would our faith be? if the only thing that he had ever done was what is recorded in the scripture. And uh, he turned into this uh, deistic kind of just set the universe in motion and, and rolled back from there. Yeah. Yeah. That's a different world, right? Yeah. Amen. 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 All right. Someone else. What is God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far? There's an old joke among preachers that when uh, uh, the preacher looks around for someone to close in prayer at the end of the service, everyone immediately has to tie their shoes. It's shocking, the statistical anomaly that occurs right there. But uh, what is something that God is doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far? I think I did too. <laughs> it's a pretty cool day. Day one, right? Day one, yeah. It's pretty cool. Awesome. We'll launch from there. So let's look at uh, Mark chapter 6. I'm going to read the entirety of Mark chapter 6, and then we'll go back. And uh, we had gotten about halfway through verse uh, 3, I think it was, last week. Uh, and I think we can probably get most of the way through the rest of what's on your handout. Uh, it's the same handout from last week, so if you have last week's handout, it's the exact same one. Uh, and then we've got copies of, uh, Lord willing, uh, next week's handout uh, ready uh, for you to pick up on your way out today. So Mark chapter 6. He went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? 
What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching. And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and he gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' name had become known. And some said, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. But others said, he is Elijah. And others said, he is a prophet like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For it was Herod who had been sent, who had sent and seized John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because he had married her. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to put him to death. But she could not, for Herod feared John knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he kept him safe. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he heard him gladly. But an opportunity came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his nobles and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. For when Herodias' daughter came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, Ask me for whatever you wish, and I will give it to you. And he vowed to her, Whatever you ask me, I will give you, up to half my kingdom. And she went out and said to her mother, For what should I ask? And she said, the head of John the Baptist. And she came in immediately with haste to the king and asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the king was exceedingly sorry. But because of his oaths and his guests, he did not want to break his word to her. And immediately the king sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in the prison and brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl. And the girl gave it to her mother. And when his disciples heard of it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them and ran from there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and saying a blessing, and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. 
And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them, but when, he saw, when they saw him walking in the sea, they thought that he was a ghost, and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret and moored to the shore. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him and ran about the whole region to bring, and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he came, in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it, were made well. So last week we had looked at verses 1 and 2 and had just started to get into verse 3. So he went away from there and came to his hometown and his disciples followed him. On the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were astonished saying, where did these men get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? And that's kind of where we stopped last week on Mary. And one of your homework assignments last week was to go and to look up. So I'm on page 167 on your handout, about halfway down. Was to go and to look up those instances in Mark where the word Mary shows up. So let's answer a couple of simple questions and then we'll get a little bit more involved. So is every single one of those references talking about the same Mary? This is the verbal response portion of today's class. The answer is no, right? No, it's not. How many? That's a great question, right? <laughs> There's at least how many in Mark? Is at least how many in Mark? Is at least two and maybe three, but there's several more in other places in the New Testament. So there's, there's a couple here. But this one is which one? The mother of Jesus, right? So... So who is with him here? Who is with this group here? So you've got the crowd, right? The people that are just in the synagogue listening. You've got Mary and then James and Joseph and Judas and Simon, his brothers. Now are they his full brothers? They're what? Half brothers, right? Because they got a different daddy. And, we, and, and some of them, you know, spiritually speaking would have the same daddy, but at, at this point, not quite so much, we don't think. So, so we've got uh, his four brothers there, and then who else are there? Sisters, right? So at, at least two sisters. So the, the family is there. Is the whole family there? So who does it seem like is missing? Joseph, right? 
So, so here is one of the great, uh, and I would just uh, posit unanswered questions in the New Testament. What happened to Joseph? All right, so you want me to tell you what happened to Joseph? Here you go. We don't know. So let's all stop guessing and not fill in the blanks where the Scripture doesn't tell us. He could have died. He could have run off. He could have been taken up. I, I don't, we, we don't know. The Scripture doesn't tell us, right? So the Scripture doesn't tell us. Just leave it at that. Now, Jesus deals with his responsibility to his mom because whose responsibility is it to take care of the family? The oldest what? Oldest son, right? Sorry, ladies. Like you, it's just, it was a different thing. And so when he's dying on the cross, who does he tell take care of mom? And why? Loved him. Why else? Where was John? He was there. Right. He was there. This was really important because if, if you're going to leave your mom in somebody's hands, you want it to be somebody who's actually going to be there. Right. When, when you're thinking about your will, who do you want to take care of your children? If something were to happen to you, you don't want to think about who's the most flighty person that I know. Like That's not a healthy way to think through this question, right? It's just not going to go well for your kids. This is not good, right? So he's taking care actually the other direction in the uh, family tree going up. So this is Mary, uh, and then also his brother James. Now, James shows up a lot in Mark, and we actually think this is the same James all the way through. Uh, somebody tell me what we know about James in Acts. He was a pastor at church where? In Jerusalem. Now, what was the biggest church? The biggest, most influential church in the New Testament. Yeah, it's Jerusalem. They, they could throw their weight around a lot of different ways. And, and ultimately, and later in church history, kind of did in certain ways. Uh, and James was the, the leader of this. So he had a little bit of street cred. Now, do we know anything else about, else about James in the New Testament? Is there... He wrote a book, yes. So how does he identify himself in that book? Yeah, the servant, right? He, he, doesn't, he doesn't start off like, no, I was there, right? Like I saw him when he was, no, 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 that's not where he goes. He positions himself uh, as a servant. And then you get Joseph. Now, how many of you, let's be honest here a second. How many of you, when you read Jesus had a brother named Joseph, you went, Joseph? Who's Joseph? Like, what's he about? Anybody do that? May have that experience? Yeah, it's okay. I always forget about Joseph because where does Joseph show up in Mark? Right here. Where else? In other places where what's happening? Anybody look these up? Let's go over to 1540 and 1547. So in 1540, so Jesus has, uh, has died at this point, right? Uh, there were women looking on from a distance, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, the younger, and of Joseph and Salome. And when he was in Galilee, they followed him and ministered to him. And there were also many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. Skip on down a couple of more verses. Uh, the, the burial of Christ 
Uh, verse 46, And Joseph brought a linen shroud, and taking him down, wrapped him in the linen shroud, and laid him in a tomb that had been cut out of the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. Right? So what is Joseph doing when we see him in Mark? Right. What physical action does he do in Mark? Right. He's there with mom. He's there. Right? He's there. That's exactly right. He's there. Is that a good thing? Yeah, this is a good thing, right? So when we see lists of people, don't just skip past them and go, well, there's nothing to learn from that. There's a lot to learn from that. There's an awful lot to learn from that. Be where you're supposed to be, right? This is a significant point that the Scripture is communicating as we go through. Now, another point that the Scripture is communicating, why would these people be identified by name, Jessica? From an auditor's perspective, why would these people be identified by name? That's exactly right. You could go back and you could say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, we can trace that person down and these people can stand as witnesses to what actually occurred. Right? So names in the scripture are important. We look at the scripture as, well, it was written 2,000 years ago and we have this 2,000-year-old perspective. Well, that's great, but it was also written very near the time of Christ, that, which enabled validation and verification of these things to actually occur. So this is, this is all part of the... Uh, the, the, the What's the word I'm looking for? The authenticity. There we go. The proof. That's exactly right. The authenticity, the proof that is embedded within the scripture itself. And then, yes, sir, fire away. Yes. And look at. I knew I should have looked him up. So there are other instances in the New Testament, uh, in the Gospels, that talk about where he was in this. Um, so one of, the, one of the problems that the New Testament, which is a great question, one of the problems that we have with the New Testament, uh, well, that was an awful way to start a sentence, wasn't it? Yeah. One of the problems that we have to understand what the New Testament is saying is to figure out which Mary they're being talk, is being talked about. So often they will identify by, like, so when it says Mary Magdalene, Check, we got that one, right? Um, funny story, my sister sent me, or she put on Facebook yesterday that she was talking to her kids about what they want their children to be named. And uh, one of her daughters wants uh, her second daughter, she wants to have two sons and two daughters, because you can plan these things, right? <laughs> and the second daughter's name is going to be Mary Magdalene. It's like, okay, well... That's an option, right? That is an option. Uh, but, but many times in the New Testament, it won't just say Mary, because that, like, the people who wrote this understood that would have been ambiguous too, right? So they'll give some identifier to that as well. Um, but they wouldn't, they wouldn't this one wouldn't have guaranteed that he was actually there, right? Uh, this was more about identifying Mary, but in the other gospel, it's, it's there, um, and I didn't write those references down, and I apologize. We'll look them up. So. All right, so that's the group. And then we've got Judas. Is this, uh, is this the same Judas all the way through? No. Not quite, right? So be, be real careful when you see Judas, because sometimes the gospel writers identify him as Judas Iscariot. Sometimes the gospel writers just say Judas. And sometimes the gospel writers will say, 
there was a Judas that was a son of Mary, the mother of our Lord. So we want to make sure that we're, we got the right one. This one was not Judas Iscariot. So I just want to be abundantly clear on that point as we go through. Uh, this was a massive point of misunderstanding for me as a child because I thought Jesus' half-brother was the one that betrayed him. And then I got to Bible college and heard somebody say, yeah, there were several Judases in the New Testament. And I was like, wait, what? Oh, that's, that's much better. Awesome. That's great. So it was, and it was there all along. I just hadn't paid attention to it. And then uh, Simon. All right, so bottom of page 167 uh, are not his sisters. So this is the, this is, I talked last week about the word brothers, uh, Adelphos. Uh, this is Adelphi. This is the typical word for sister. There is nothing special about it. When the New Testament calls us brothers and sisters, these are the two words that are used. Uh, the, the blood relationship is still here. This is what it is. It's not a spiritual word. Uh, it is used that way periodically. Uh, but it just means a sister uh, of someone. All right, so they got all these folks here with them. And then you got this little phrase at the end of verse 3, and they took offense at him. And nobody's ever done this in the history of the world, right? Nobody's ever got offended, right? So the word is skandalizo. Uh, and this shows up a lot of different places in Mark. It's a very common word in Mark. Uh, it just means to trip up or to stumble over. Uh, the idea is that there was something that got them all tripped up. And um, it, odds are this has happened to almost all of us at some point when studying the Scripture. Right? You read something, you stu- you're like, wait, 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 wait. I, I can't possibly, I cannot possibly have this right. Because the conclusion I seem to come to right now is not good. So... Um, Terry, it's, it's fantastic that you are here this morning because we're going to talk about you this morning. The, the best example I have ever seen, not heard, seen of this, uh, you did in Sunday school several years ago. You were talking about how the Jews were looking for the Messiah, and they had a box, and you actually had a box. And they had a box. This is what the Messiah is going to fit in. He's going to look like this. He's going to fit right here. And then, like, behind, over somewhere else, we didn't record them back then, so I don't know exactly where you had it, but you had a broom, right? And you pulled out, and you said, and then the Messiah shows up, and the Messiah didn't fit in the box. So what they did, and he picked up the broom, and he just threw it behind him. He's like, they threw away the broom, because they're still looking for the person that's going to fit in their box. And I thought, that was a pretty cool illustration. And that's exactly what they did. What happened here? They got stumbled up. They got tripped up because they'd never seen anybody teach like this before. And we talked about this last week with this authority because this is the word teaching the word. Now, did Jesus know they got offended? Yes, this is a very simple answer. So whenever you start the question with, did Jesus know, just before I even say what's next, just shout out yes. All right, so let's practice. Did Jesus know? There we go. Good. Let's get our... Christology correct here. So, and Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his uh, hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. Which is a, is this a incredibly clear uh, response? 
<laughs> You're like, no, not quite at all. He, he uses a, like a double negative here. It, it's, it's just, it's very strange wording and a structure, even the sentence. But let me ask you a question, uh, because we read all of Mark chapter 6 at the beginning of class, and who did some people think Jesus was when we got to the story of Herod? Some people thought he was a what? Somebody thought he was the raised who? John the Baptist. And some people thought he was a what? A prophet. How does Jesus self-identify here in Mark chapter 6? Prophet. Right? Now, was he a prophet? You don't think? Was he sent from... So this is a great answer. Fantastic. Thank you for answering that way. What is a prophet? This is, the answer. this is the question I really wanted to get to. I was really hoping somebody would say no, so that's awesome. Right. Was Jesus a messenger of God? Yes. Yes, that is a great answer. You are doubling down on good theology. That's fantastic. Was he also, also a messenger of God? Did he? Yes, there we go. Good. So he was both God and a messenger of God. Because remember... This is teaching good Trinitarian theology. Right? So embedded in this understanding of Jesus being a prophet is the idea that there is more than one person to God. So don't miss the Trinity as we just blow past these things, right? So a prophet is not without honor. It's the only time this word without honor shows up in Mark. Except in his hometown, So where was he? His hometown, right? And among his relatives, who who was he with? His relatives. (laughs) So did anybody think he might be talking about them right now? Yes, he is directly addressing the people around him. How does that make you feel when somebody directly addresses you? (laughs) Some of you are like, awkward. (laughs) Yes, that's right. And in his own household, right? The people in his house. All right, top of page 169. Now, there are verses in Scripture, before we look at verse 5, there are verses in Scripture that people try to play Gumby with and stretch them way too far out of their particular context. So I want to make sure we keep this in context right here. Is he in the middle of a group of people who believe him and his messaging right now? Who are the people around him that believe him and his messaging right here? His disciples, right? What about the other people? You can't can't really just give a a wholehearted yes to that, can you? Right? Because he's going to deal with it in verse 6. But in verse, because he says he marveled at their unbelief. So in case you're wondering, no is the answer to that. So let's look at verse 5. And he could do no mighty work. This is the Greek word dunamis. This is uh, uh, this uh, miraculous power. He could do no miraculous power there. And this is, a, this is a strange way to define normal, okay? Except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Now, <laughs> I love these little phrases, right? Because it, 
except that he laid his hands on a few sick people. So if I, this morning, were to lay my hands on some of you and heal you of some disease, would you consider that a mighty work? Yeah. So put this in context. The mighty works that he had been doing dwarfed this, right? Does this make sense? You with me? Now, this was still incredibly impactful to these people. But compared to what he had been doing, this was not in the category of mighty work. And if you keep reading in Mark chapter 6, you know, he takes a stroll out on the lake. Um, He feeds uh, 5,000 men. Uh, He heals the sick in Gennesaret. I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff going on, right? So he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Now, the word for uh, a few, uh, I love the definition here. It means puny or tiny. So this is a small number of potentially very frail-oriented people. And then he healed, the therapeuo. This is the, this is the word for he just made them better. And then verse 6, and he marveled. So who's the he in verse 6? So Jesus, and Jesus marveled. And this is an interesting word. I'll, I'll challenge you to go look up. Uh, let's look at these real quick. So 5.20, Mark 5.20. So this is the demon-possessed man who is healed. And he leaves in verse 20. He says, he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. Right? So this is the idea that they knew this guy's story. This was not normal. He's not used to having clothes on, in his right mind, behaving this particular way. This was something to marvel about. Uh, 6 6 is where we see here in uh, the chapter that we're in. 12 17. Mark 12 17. Uh, This is the the question of paying taxes. And Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And that's G-O-D apostrophe S. Uh, And they marveled at him. So what did they marvel at? Oh, it offended quite a bit. Well, yeah. <laughs> I promise you it offended. <laughs> yeah. His teaching, right? And it shot it all down, and it put them in a state where they could not, they could not rebut it in a way that was, was detrimental to his teaching. There, there we go. His teaching is what they marveled at, right? He said something. They marveled at this. So the first marvel is the work that he had done. The second marvel is how he marveled at their unbelief. The third marvel is at his actual teaching. Then 15.5, a couple couple chapters over. This is the Q&A session with Pilate, right? Um, One of the just spectacularly awkward portions of Mark, I think. uh, Because Pilate's just a weird... Like, Herod is a... Herod is a twisted weird dude. Pilate's just a weird dude. So... uh, 15.5 here, but Jesus made no further answer so that Pilate was amazed. The word amazed there is uh, thamazo, the the word for marveled. He he was marveling at his response. And then 15.44, so again, somebody marveling at Jesus. So we've got marveling at his works, 
He marveled at unbelief, marveling at his teaching, marveling at his silence. And then 1544 is, uh, and Pilate was surprised to hear that he should have already died. That word surprised is the word marveled and marveled at his death. You can actually study the word marveled in the Gospel of Mark and get a relatively decent picture of Jesus' life. So you get his healing, his teaching, his perspective on things, others' perspective on him, and then you're forced to address his actual death itself. It's a lot of stuff. Exactly right. This is what I get out of Mark. When I look at this, I am marveled at the miracles that have occurred in this and think about dry bones becoming a flesh. Right. The marvelous, amazing things. Yep. We wonder, we admire, we we are taken aback with this Jesus, right? This is more than just words on a page. This is life through life giving words. So he marveled at their unbelief. So does unbelief sound like something that's good? And what was their unbelief directed at? At him directly, right? Yeah, it was, it was directed at him. This is their, their lack of faith. So he quit. He said, I'm done. That's it. It's the end of it. I'm finished. I've had opposition. Somebody on the internet said, no, that's a bad idea. Somebody said this was not a good plan. Somebody said, I don't think this is right. So he just stopped, right? He quit. Is that it? <laughs> no. And he went about. Among, this is going in a circle, around all these villages, teaching. And this is present active participle. He kept doing it, and 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 he kept doing it. So when you experience, here you go. We don't do the application and personalization often. I take time in class to do them. But when you experience unbelief, uh, keep doing your Father's will. Right? Give space for people to change. Because the version... I've got to be careful how I say this. G, Luke 2.52 is true. Jesus uh, increased in stature, uh, in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and man. He got taller, there was a wisdom that uh, increased, and uh, his relationships with God and man uh, improved, which are just absolutely stunning. But the version of Jesus that these people from his hometown knew from years prior was not what they had seen in the synagogue that day. Give space for people to grow and to change and to develop and to experience more of God. And when we see it, our initial response shouldn't be, oh, no, 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 no. You've got to stay like you were years and years and years ago. Because many of us in this room can say, thank you, Jesus, that I didn't. So what do we do with this? Well, keep doing God's work no matter what the feedback or the belief of those around us. Um, and keep believing in Jesus, right? All of him. The, the birth of Christ all the way to the... Uh, at the right hand of the Father today. 
all the way to past that step where he's coming again. All of him, not just part of him. Because I think all of us probably have some favorite part of Jesus' life. Um, but he was all God, and he was all prophet, right? He was all prophet, right? He was all prophet, right? There we go. Cool. Good deal. Excellent. So next week, our plan will be to start with uh, Mark 6, verse 7. So that's your blank for the day. Terry, we've gotten down to just one blank on the handout. So there you go. It's in the backside at the bottom. Just, just mailing it in, right? I mean, it's just ridiculous. We've also got uh, the handout for next week ready. Jules, do you have those back there? They're on the little table over here. So if you want to grab one on the way out, uh, it'll be the same one that uh, Lord willing will be on the uh, tables when you get in next week. So uh, homework for this week, pray for help in understanding Mark, hearing Mark multiple times, thinking about Mark often day and night, talking with someone dead or alive about Mark, sharing your insights about Mark, and then inviting a member and a non-member. So this is our membership expectation. So next week at the beginning of class, we're going to start reviewing these and doing a little Q&A. How are we doing with this? What can help? Uh, and, and so forth. So that's the... Uh, for next week, you should have a weekly update on your table. So if you're here, just seeing if you're paying attention, right? Uh, name goes at the bottom in a legible way would be helpful. And then uh, pray over those prayer requests. Pick a section, pray over each one of those prayer requests in that section. And uh, when you are finished, then you are dismissed to go and marvel at the one who is worthy of marveling at and to be wonder-filled and amazed at the Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God himself. So thanks for coming to Sunday School today, guys. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.